Hello, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Horizon Church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We want to help people connect with God and connect with each other. If you'd like to know more about us, you can go to our website at horizonconnect.org. Enjoy. Our, our weekly news and read it. Uh, you know, if you read it this week, that I actually have a secret. And um, usually in our e-news, I take the time to try to prepare you for what we're going to be talking about so that it's in your, in your minds and maybe you can think a little bit about what we're going to be talking about on this, this Sunday. But this week, rather than tell you what I'm going to talk about, I simply told you that I have a secret. Um, I actually thought and was kind of hopeful that maybe there'd be a, a small handful of people that were intrigued by that idea and would you know, contact me and say, oh, can you tell me what the secret is? But not one, not one person asked, so I'm not going to tell. <laughs> um, actually, actually, my secret is that I knew that you had one. Uh, finally. Finally, I knew ahead of time about this. I suppose I, I must be easy to fool because there have been some past pastor appreciation Sundays when I actually watched a person carry into this building a big picture with a caricature, caricature that looked somewhat like me. Another time, somebody carried in a, a large Christmas ornament. Uh, another time, a person carried in a miniature house that looked like I actually helped carry it in. And it simply never occurred to me what was going on, that you were doing this. But this year, I caught on. I won't tell you how I caught on to the fact that this was happening, um, but that allowed me this week to change what we were going to talk about and to do an appropriate message for what I think of as Church Appreciation Sunday. So I'm going to read a letter to you, and the truth is that this letter that I'm going to read is from Paul, and he's writing it to the church at Philippi, and pretty much every Bible scholar there is thinks that the church at Philippi was Paul's favorite church. Now, you need to know that letters in the New Testament were meant to be read out loud. I don't think there's a single author of a New Testament letter who intended for his letter, uh, you know, he never said, hey, over the next couple months, get together on Wednesday night and study this a paragraph at a time. Uh, these letters were meant to be read uh, in church probably in house churches. And I know a bunch of you right now, so many of us are meeting in our houses. We know that probably uh, this letter was actually read in the house of a very prosperous businesswoman named Lydia. And how this church came to be and how it came to be meeting in Lydia's house is told in the story of Acts chapter 16. Uh, uh, You can read it later if you'd like. But meeting in that house on that day, uh, probably there was Lydia and her household, uh, maybe some kids, maybe um, some of her household servants. Probably meeting in that church was a young slave girl who'd been healed from some ugly demonic activity in her life. Um, Almost certainly meeting in Lydia's house were uh, a, a bunch of Romans. Uh, This was a very Roman city, and probably one of those Romans was the 
uh, warden of the Roman prison in Philippi, and his household staff and his family were there. And there were others uh, whose names we don't even know. But altogether in that church, from what we do know, there were uh, men and women, boys and girls, rich and poor, young and old, uh, all of them followers of Jesus. And on a Sunday morning, somebody would have stood up in that little house and they would have said, we have a letter from Paul. Let me read it. Well, I'm going to read a couple sentences from that letter. Philippians chapter 1. But I will tell you up front, at the risk of a heresy accusation, I'm actually going to add three words to Scripture. It will be the first three words. Because this is what I would say to you. Dear Horizon Church, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Jesus Christ from the time you first heard it until now. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God Both, well, this doesn't apply necessarily, both in my imprisonment (laughs) and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Now, although there is a ton of stuff we could talk about from that short section of a letter, I want to color in the lines in just four images in what Paul talked about. And the first image is the image of partnership, as in what Paul wrote when he said, whenever I pray, I make my requests with joy, for you have been my partners. You know, a couple of years ago at Horizon Church, uh, we were discussing membership at Horizon. Ever since we began back in 2004, there were several years when we did membership, and then there were several years when we did not. And we were at the place a couple of years ago when we knew that we needed to do something, but for a whole lot of reasons that I don't have time to talk about today, I have never been thrilled about church membership, but we knew we needed something. 
So we settled on the idea of partners. And every year we begin our year, every single year we begin our year by inviting those of you for Horizon for the last couple of years to become partners with us for the next year. I have my four partner cards from Horizon that I've signed the last four years. These are mine. I'm a partner in Horizon Church as well. And these are hanging on my bulletin board above the side of my desk where my computer is. And I am a partner in Horizon in the same way you are. And I've thought about this, why I like the idea of partners so much. Maybe it has something to do with the Wyoming in me and my desire to start every service by saying, howdy, partner. Um, but I love the image of partnership. Now, if we were speaking Greek, like Paul, in what he was writing, you would know that Paul, when he wrote that phrase about partners, that Paul used a really significant word for the word partnership. He used the word koinonia, which probably doesn't mean a whole lot to all of you, but some of you have been around church, you will have heard this word before, koinonia, because it, it's the classic New Testament word for fellowship, as in, let's meet downstairs in the basement fellowship hall and have a pot potluck dinner. But the word means a whole lot more than just being friendly with each other and sitting around a table. That word literally means to be drawn together in participation. And it's that second half, the participation part of that definition, that's the key. Church really is a participation. It's a partnership. And to my core, I believe that you, partners of Horizon Church, are by far our most valuable resource. You are what makes Horizon Church. You are. I get to stand up here. But do you know how many people it takes to make this possible? Obviously, there's a row of tech people back there who are busy every Sunday making sure that everything works. Every year, that team of people puts in hours and hours and hours. This past year has been extraordinarily challenging for our tech people. And Stephen Hinkle, I thought about naming names during this service, but I decided against it. But there are a few I'll name. Stephen Hinkle deserves so much credit and gratitude for making our online presence work. And then there are people who donated a ton of money at the beginning of the year before we ever knew that COVID would hit and we decided to move ahead with being able to do this online thing. A ton of people, a lot of people donated a ton of money and without that money, Stephen Hinkle would have had nothing to do. There are dozens and dozens of children's workers, some of whom braved COVID to do an outside preschool program this summer, and others who right now are figuring out how are we going to get our, our kids' program meeting again. Then there's Andy and his staff of volunteers, 
and parents who make sure their kids get here. There are Bible study leaders, dessert diva and breakfast brigade leaders, men's ministry leaders, a clean team, greeters, prayers, gardeners, painters, decorators, caregivers. There are people who tithe, people who give what they can. There's our band, all of whom show up on Thursday night and Sunday morning for practice. There's our team of leaders, our lawnmowers. There are dozens of you, dozens of you who show up to pack meals for policemen, backpacks for school kids, Christmas presents in shoeboxes, socks for area shelters, popcorn for movie nights. There are hot dog grillers who show up on those summer Sundays when we decide let's hand out hot dogs. There are men, men and women who show up every time a toilet breaks, a boiler won't start, or a ceiling collapses. True story, it happened. Once upon a time, we had bulletin folders. Now, technically, they were actually donut eaters, cleverly disguised as bulletin <laughs> folders. One of whom will greet us in heaven, as he is now home. But I suspect that team will someday be back. There's a team of people who every week pick up leftover sandwiches from Wawa and another team of people who deliver it to halfway houses and homeless. And then there's Joanne. We're gifted with a woman who not only knows her job, but has an extraordinary heart for people. And on and on and on. You know, I met a person one time who, when I introduced myself as Pastor Bud, that person said, oh, I know someone who knows you. They told me they go to Pastor Bud's church. There is not a more foolish, silly, ridiculous phrase than that one. And I am almost embarrassed to say it. Pastor Bud's church. What a dismal, lonely place that would be. Thank God it is Jesus' church. Thank God. So whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners. The second image confidence. As in, I am confident that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ returns. I don't know if you actually know the story of how Paul came to be in Philippi and started church. It's a, a story that is actually a miraculous story. Again, it's in Acts chapter 16 if you want to read it. The short version is that Paul and Silas were on a missionary journey. It was the second of Paul's missionary journeys. They were planning on going an entirely different direction, but something prevented Paul and Silas from going that direction. 
Paul attributed that something to God's Spirit. And then that night, when Paul didn't know which way they were going to go now, that night, while he was sleeping, Paul had a vision of a man who was standing on the other side of the Aegean Sea, pleading with Paul, come over, come across the sea and help us. Paul believed that that was God's direction, that it was a miracle, direction from God. And so they crossed the sea and the gospel of Jesus spread farther than it had ever been before. So knowing the story, I understand why Paul believed what he said, that he had confidence that God who had started that would finish it. And I understand that. Because I never set out to start a church. I was going in an entirely different direction. I would say that for seven-eighths of my pastoral life, up until 2004, I never once entertained the idea of starting a church. It takes a special kind of person to start a church, and I am not that person. Well, it turns out that I had to learn that God is that kind of a God. It doesn't matter much what kind of a person I am. We had no money to start a church. And that didn't worry me because I didn't know anything about starting a church, and I didn't know you needed money. Actually, I didn't know anything, truthfully. So when a friend learned that I was thinking of starting a church in my backyard, he said, hey, I want to be part of it. Do you have a bank account so that I can make a donation? I didn't know we needed a bank account. We did not have one. Didn't matter, we had nothing to put in it. Well, that didn't stop him, so he said, well, let's have breakfast. I just got a bonus at work, and I want to tithe it to your church so you can start. Well, in the world that I am familiar with, a tithe, which literally means 10%, okay? So the tithe of a bonus in the world that I'm from, a tithe might be somewhere between 50 and 100 bucks. I was hoping for a hundred bucks. But he promised breakfast, and I am not one to say no to breakfast, even for a hundred bucks. So I said, sure, let's have breakfast. At breakfast, he wrote a check for $20,000. I looked at that and I said, I thought you were giving us a tithe, not your whole bonus. And it was a tithe of his bonus. I have never been around that kind of money. I don't understand it. I can't fathom writing a check like that. But thank God, Jesus knew someone who could. While we were still sitting at breakfast, that same friend said, what are you doing about an office? I said, my basement. That was before, by the way, that we discovered Panera and we opened up Horizon West at the second booth on the left in Trexler Town. Anyway, he said, what about an office? I said, my basement. He said, you have a copier. I didn't know you needed a copier to start a church. I said, no, we don't have one. He pulled out his checkbook a second time. 
and he wrote a check for $5,000, and he said, go buy a copier. And I did. I can't tell you how much right now that I wished I would have known that new churches also need horses. <laughs> but I lost that opportunity. Our church, which hadn't even met yet, went from a balance of zero to $25,000 in the time it took me to order and eat two dippy eggs, rye toast, a side of scrapple, and coffee. So maybe now you know why I am confident that it was God who began a good work in us. Now, the truth is, Paul was talking about far more than bank accounts. He was talking about what God was doing in people. And of course, the truth is that not everyone who has ever been a part of Horizon has benefited in their relationship with God. I've made mistakes. And when leaders make mistakes, people get hurt. So I understand why Paul sometimes in some of his other letters to churches, Paul says things like, I am the least deserving or I'm the worst of sinners. I get that. I live with that every day. But all I have to do is to look around and I know that for many of you, God has met you here. Shortly after we moved into this building in 2013, I was sitting in my office, looking out my office window on a Sunday morning, and I saw a friend walk by. He stopped at the sidewalk out front that leads to the front sidewalk. He stopped and turned and looked and walked in. God had an appointment with him that day. He didn't know it when he woke up that morning, but God did. And I am confident that God, who began a good work in him that day, will continue to do it. I recently had lunch with another good friend. He said to me in that lunch, I was not always a nice person, but I thank God that I met the Lord at Horizon and everything for me has changed. And I am confident that God, who began a good work in him, will continue it until that day. A young lady saw our sign out front about needing help for COVID, during COVID. It took her several weeks, but eventually her circumstances got so desperate that she actually risked making a terrifying phone call. Of course, I said, we can help. Can you get here? I gave her instructions about where we're located. I told her to park in the parking lot where the red doors are. And I said, when you come in, come in the red doors and come up the steps. She was petrified about walking into a church and meeting people she didn't know and having to ask for help. Petrified. So because I knew she was so scared, I sat in my office watching the security cameras 
so that when she finally arrived, I could get to her quickly before she changed her mind, and so she didn't have to wander around feeling even worse. I thought I saw her arrive, so I got up and I headed to that door, but I watched when she came in, I was able to see that when she came in the red doors, instead of coming up the steps, like I said, she went down the steps. And by the time I got back there, I realized there was another young lady here who was doing some work downstairs. And I heard talking and laughing downstairs. And I thought, oh, I was wrong. It wasn't her. It was somebody else. It must be a friend for the girl working downstairs, not the lady I was expecting. Well, it turns out it was the lady I was expecting. Somehow, she misunderstood my instructions to go up the steps, and she went down, and she ran face-to-face into a young lady she had just met for the first time that week who had helped her out in a totally unrelated situation. She met a friendly face, exactly what she needed. This lady eventually came upstairs in tears, walked into my office and said, now I know God hasn't given up on me. It turns out that she was here, she thought, just for a gift card. What she didn't know is that God had an appointment with her. She didn't know it when she woke up, but God did. And I am confident that God, who began a good work within her, We'll continue it. Like Paul, all of my confidence is in Jesus. All of it. He has never let me down. So I am confident that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until that final day. The third image from what Paul wrote, the image of affection, as in, so it is right that I should feel about you as I do, for you have a special place in my heart, and you do. How could you not? You know, there's no other letter in the New Testament like this letter from Paul There's no other letter that is quite as personal as this one. Now, there are some personal letters, like Paul's letter to Timothy, letters to Timothy, and his letter to Philemon, very personal letters. But there are no other letters to churches that are quite as personal as this one. And I think that's because this church kept showing up for Paul. When there was a need in the church in Thessalonica, we don't know what the need was, but that church had a particular need. It was this church, the church at Philippi, that sent help to Paul for that church, for people they'd never met. When there was a famine and some horrific poverty in Jerusalem, the Philippians collected some money and they sent Paul resources to help people that they had never met. When Paul was thrown in prison, that's where Paul is writing this letter from. He's writing from prison. The Philippians heard about the fact that Paul was in prison, and they actually sent one of their own, a young Roman man named Epaphroditus. 
they sent one of their own and they said, go be with Paul. Help him in prison. Can you imagine? So it's no wonder that Paul, when he wrote a letter to them, Paul said, you have a special place in my heart. And you do. How could you not? Once, long ago, I happened to mention in a sermon that I had a lifelong dream to fly, but that's not in a pastor's budget. One family here got me a flying lesson. I got to fly a small single-engine plane over my house in Allentown, fly down to East Greenville and look at my old house there, fly to Green Lane, fly to Quakertown, and then back to Bethlehem and home. And it was amazing. One time in a church service, I mentioned I had a lifelong dream of skydiving. I got to jump out of an airplane and I proudly still display my successful skydiving certificate because of you. In 2010, at an outdoorsman's banquet at Hope Church, I was sitting with a young man who would someday become my son-in-law, Dan Martin, and another friend from Horizon, Phil Yetter. We decided at that outdoorsman's banquet that we should make a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Wyoming and spend two weeks in the backcountry living out of backpacks and hunting elk. We knew it was going to be expensive. We estimated the cost was going to be about 1500 bucks. That's not the kind of money that's in my budget, not the kind of money that I spend on myself. So we agreed it's going to take a couple years. We set the date of 2013. I actually made a couple dining room chairs and dining room tables and sold them online to pay for it. And then in 2012, you gave me a gift. And you said, go to Wyoming. We got to move the whole trip up a year, 2012. And in 2012, Phil and Dan and I made the once-in-a-lifetime trip (laughs) to Wyoming. And we have gone back dozens of times since. In fact, Dan proposed to my daughter, she said yes, and a few years later they ended up moving out there. Since then, you have actually helped me to get to Wyoming several times. I've had the joy of taking a few of you out there with me. It's not only big things like that that you've helped with. I have eaten more Oreos more tandy cakes, more Reese's peanut butter cups than a human being should be allowed to eat in four lifetimes. I have file folders full of your cards and notes. To this day, I get to make trips to Cabela's and exit with a shopping bag full of things that didn't cost me a dime because of gift cards from you.
in September of 2018, our Wyoming family experienced a horrific tragedy. Donna and I spent all of Friday night and part of Saturday going back and forth on the phone, watching the news, hoping, hoping that a good friend and guide and future business partner for Dan would be found alive. He was known to have been attacked by a bear. Finally, on Saturday afternoon, Mark's body was found. That Saturday night, a sobbing Aaron said, Dad, can you please come out? The next morning, I told that story to you. Many of Horizons people and Horizons leader met me up front after church and said, absolutely, you need to go. Go. We'll take care of everything. By the time I got home from church, someone from Horizon had called me and said, we bought you plane tickets. I'm picking you up at 3 tomorrow morning, driving you to the airport. So it is right that I should feel about all of you as I do. For you have a special place in my heart. How could you not? You have treated me far better than I deserve. The final image from Paul's letter, an image of growth, as in, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I so want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. You know, church is hard. It's just hard. That's because life is hard. It always was. Paul's imprisonment would be fatal. Paul would not get out alive. Although he will say in this letter, I long to see you again, he never would. So I do pray for you. I pray for you that you too understand what really matters. Jesus does. Jesus matters. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing. I pray that you will live pure and blameless lives until the day when Christ returns. At my first church, where I had just turned 21, Many, many years ago, 
was a young, young Pennsylvania Dutch family, all of them with names from Pennsylvania Dutch life, Selmer, Sadie, Velma, Katie. However, among all those Pennsylvania Dutch names, there was a daughter named Cookie, about my age. Cookie was far from God. Cookie was married. They had a daughter named Jamie. At the time, Jamie was young. I did not know Cookie. I did not know Jamie. They didn't come to church. Mom did, and their grandmom. One day, her mom said, could Cookie, my daughter, call you? She's in trouble. I said, sure. Cookie called asked if it was okay if I would meet with Cookie, even though I'd never met her. And we met, and sitting at her kitchen table, Cookie gave her life to Jesus Christ. She was the first person that I know of who ever said yes to Jesus with me as pastor. I have never, ever forgotten that moment of sitting at Cookie's kitchen table when she gave her life to Jesus. Pretty soon, Cookie was coming to Emmanuel Church in Adamstown. She brought her daughter, Jamie. Jamie was one of our first members of a little tiny Sunday school and a youth group that we started. Today, many years later, Cookie is a worship leader in her church. Jamie's now middle-aged, married with kids, going to a church of her own. Most of that older generation have now gone home. We still get a Christmas card handwritten every year from Cookie's mom. It always has pictures and little notes about what everybody's doing. And because of that Christmas card, we get to watch Cookie's family and Jamie's family grow up. Lately, she has taken to writing this in her letters. Sorry, my handwriting is so shaky. I'm getting old. I hope to live long enough to get shaky handwriting. And then, thanks to Jesus, I will go home. Because what we do here matters forever. What we do here will go on and on and on forever. What really matters? Jesus does. What an extraordinary hope we have because of him. And so I pray for you. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. 
for this will truly bring much glory and praise to God. I truly do love you all. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the privilege, undeserved, of being part of Horizon Church. I thank you, God, for how we can know with confidence that you began a good work, that you continue to begin a good work in the lives of people. And God, it's because you began it that we are confident you will finish it. God, I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for the fact that we can know that what we do here will go on and on and on forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Horizon Church, please go to the website at horizonconnect.org. Have a great week.